go. Okay, uh, everybody direct your attention this way. And I know Brother Jared already prayed, but we're going to pray one more time um, just because my mind has kind of been frantic trying to get all this transferred um, back there. So we're going to say a quick word of prayer, and then we're going to dive into the book of Proverbs. So, Lord, we love you, Jesus, tonight. And, God, we're so thankful for your goodness to us. We're so thankful for your grace and your mercy. We're so thankful for truth. And we're so thankful, God, that you have provided a better way. And, God, you know each and every one of these young people very intimately. God, you know their thoughts. You know their heart. You know what they're walking through right now. You know their home situations. You know their struggles and their questions. God, and I pray that something from this book, that something from this lesson could help them tonight, could talk to their heart because your words are eternal and your truth is eternal and it's relevant for them. It's relevant for today, God. I pray you'd help us tonight. I pray you'd speak through me, Lord, touch our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to talk about the main theme discussed in the book of Proverbs, which is wisdom. Wisdom. Uh, Next slide, please. Proverbs is one big invitation to wisdom. Okay, next slide. Uh, An outline, I kind of made this up. So if you look at some commentaries, some people divide it up a little bit different. This is like kind of my version of an outline of Proverbs. So chapters one through four is an intro. um, And it just kind of gives you an idea of what the entire book's going to be talking about. And it talks about Uh, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding a lot. Uh, Chapters 5 through 7 deal with sexual wisdom and warnings about fornication and adultery. Um, Chapters 8 and 9 give us kind of a poetic portrayal of wisdom. Um, Chapters 10 through 29 are like, they're what you think of when you think of Proverbs. Like one time, Uh, Jared read a verse and Caleb said, is that in the book of Proverbs? Because they're very uh, distinguished. They have like this certain flow, this this certain rhythm to them. And a lot of times they switch themes from verse to verse. They're kind of standalone pieces of wisdom. Uh, And then chapter 30 is called the prophecy of Agur. Agur, any ideas back there? Anyway, um, and this one tends to be a little bit more confusing to me, and it's certainly different from the rest of the Proverbs. And then chapter 31, lastly, is a very famous proverb, and it's the proverb of the virtuous woman. And I'm sure a lot of you um, could probably even quote some passages from that. So next slide. The main theme of Proverbs is, of course, wisdom. But wisdom deals with many things. Um, And some kind of minor themes in Proverbs, there's a lot of them. This is not all of them. This is just some of them. But you can find uh, wisdom about wealth, integrity, honor, legacy, family, discipline of children, 
diligence, hard work, friendship, giving, lust, ethics, foolishness and folly, gossip, drunkenness, humility, perversion, sexual ethics, godly communication, anger, compassion. And that literally, I think, just names a few. It's very exhaustive with the things that it deals with. Proverbs is called the most practical book in the Bible because it deals with things that are very spiritual, with things that are like very mental battles of your mind. And then it also deals with things that are very practical, like how to handle money. Um, And so let me kind of give you a few verses that deal with some of these themes, for an example. So here's one that I highlighted on friendship, and you can find it in chapter 27, verses 5 and 6. It says, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. And when you think of friendship, you don't necessarily think down those lines. You think that friends' words to each other are always flowery. But true friends oftentimes will kind of call you out, like if they see an inconsistency or if they notice that you could do better. A lot of times friends will help you out in the right way, but a true friend isn't going to tell you what you want to hear all the time. Sometimes they're going to say, hey, that's not cool, bro. Hey, we don't talk like that. Hey, like, it's not funny. That joke wasn't funny, you know, and kind of it's kind of uplifting in a way you don't necessarily think about when you think of friendship. But this says faithful, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Okay, this isn't wounds from backbiting and gossiping and betrayal of trust. This is telling you what you need to hear. This is uplifting through being bold and being blunt and being honest and being helpful by kind of constructive criticism. Um, Another example, and I just felt like I needed to pick this theme out, but it's on gossip. (laughs) And... Um, chapter 11, verse 13 says, A talebearer reveals secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter or keeps it to themselves. Chapter 16, verse 28 says, A froward man saveth strife, and a whisperer separateth cheap, chief friends. So that means like, BFFs, bosom buddies, if you whisper about each other to the other friend group or even just random people, I don't know. But if you're whispering about your best friend, that separates best friends. That's found in the book of Proverbs, speaking to us all the way today. That's wisdom. Okay, um, here's another one on perversion. And this also is about um, pure communication, but it says in chapter 15, verse 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. It says, a, 
in, uh, sorry, in chapter 12, verse 8, a man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is of a perverse heart will be despised. Um, chapter 14, verse 9 says, fools make a mock at sin. That means they don't take it seriously. They kind of think it's funny. Chapter 15, verse 21 says, folly or sin is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom, but a man of understanding walks uprightly. So folly, sin, is fun to them that are destitute of wisdom. So those are a couple examples of some of the themes that you can find in Proverbs, some of the standalone pieces of wisdom there. So next slide, please. What is wisdom? First of all, wisdom is an investment into deeper things. Wisdom does not come cheaply. Wisdom does not come easily. You have to pay the price up front for wisdom. But what's kind of ironic is what's easy in the moment will cost you more later. So to walk in foolishness now, to walk with a lack of wisdom now, it's going to have a hard price to pay later down the road. But investing in a life of wisdom right now, though it's not the easy path, it's going to lead you to a blessed life. And it's not only going to bless your life, but it's going to bless your future generations. And you can build a legacy that way. So wisdom is the highest and truest ideas on any given subject. There is wisdom regarding relationships. There is wisdom regarding dating. There is wisdom regarding fatherhood. There's wisdom regarding motherhood. Um, there's wisdom regarding finances. Okay, insert here. Name your subject. Name, name your, um, your theme. And there's wisdom for that. Okay, and for the Christian, what that looks like Wisdom is just simply God's ideas about those things. It's God's ideas about life. Because God created love, what God thinks about dating is what is true about dating. What God thinks about families, that's what's true about the way families should operate and the way they should work. Okay, what, what God says is what is wisdom. And God has wisdom for every facet of life. So God has opinions on everything. Okay, and they're not just opinions, they're actually facts. But but God has, he has something to say about anything that you want to ask or seek him about. And they are knowable. Okay, they're, they're maybe hidden in the in the sense that they're not super straightforward, and you have to apply your heart to them. You have to seek them. As Proverbs says, you have to seek them as you're seeking silver or gold. You have to apply your heart, your mind to that. Okay, but it's not, it's not hidden like it's kept from you and you can't access it. It's not straightforward, and it's not, it's not just your natural reaction or your natural inclination, it takes work 
but it's accessible and it's available to each and every one of us. Wisdom is seeing the world the way that God sees the world. And it's looking at life through the lens that only God can give. Okay, it's looking at marriage the way that God looks at marriage. Um, it's looking at adolescence and teenagers and youth the way that God looks at it. Like, God, what should I do? What should I be doing with my life right now in this season of my life? How should I carry myself? How could I conduct myself in ways that bring you glory? God has something to say about all of it, and that's what wisdom is. Next slide. Where does wisdom come from? The only source of wisdom is the Bible. Okay, the, the Bible is the only compass that tells us what is true and what is untrue. Now, people can write books or preach sermons that have wisdom. And what they're saying might be expounding on a true idea or a scripture. But all true ideas are derived from the Bible. Okay, there's no wisdom that somebody can like just give a speech about whatever and it have wisdom in it without some truth that came from the Bible. Does that make sense? The Bible is the only true, truly wise book, okay? It has the original wise ideas in it, okay? And knowledge comes from various places, and all true knowledge reaffirms wisdom. And what I mean by knowledge comes from various places, obviously all knowledge is not found in the Bible. For example, if you want to learn about sharks, you're not going to find that in the Bible. There is infinite knowledge to know about sharks if you would like to learn more about sharks. But you're not going to find that in the Bible. Okay, that's knowledge, and it's separate from wisdom. However, it reaffirms wisdom because if you dive into inexhaustible, um, inexhaustive research on sharks, you will probably be overwhelmed with maybe how many species there are, um, how intricate they are, how cool of a creation they are. They're going to wow you, in other words, and it's going to reflect back on the creator. So knowledge has a way of reaffirming wisdom. Um, true is true no matter what. And truth can stand on its own when it's stacked up against any lie. Okay, so what that means is your professors at school, you're, you're not in college yet, so your teachers at school, they can, um, they can teach philosophy to you, they can teach science to you, and they can teach things that are not truths that are contradictory to the Bible. And you don't have to be afraid of that. You don't have to cover your ears and go, la, 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 they're saying lies. Like, you shouldn't believe it in your heart, but you don't have to be intimidated by that. The only way we're intimidated by that is when we don't know how to give a defense. 
And when we don't know how to give a defense, it's not because the word can't stand up against those lies that are being told. It's because we haven't applied ourselves enough to knowing the truth and putting it in our heart to give a good enough defense of what we believe. And that's not always a bad reflection on us because we can't we can't learn every question that will ever be asked about the Bible. We're probably not going to hear them all until we die. So at some point in your life, somebody's going to say something to you or ask you a question about truth and you won't know the answer to. But I assure you, the truth can be found. Okay? There are maybe some elements um, like... When was the earth created? Like the exact date. Somebody could ask you that. And some things aren't for us to know in this life. But most questions that people have in the Bible, certainly ones that have implications on your life, they can be found in the word of God. And so you don't have to be intimidated by people who are smart, who have arguments against the Bible. Because the truth is the truth, okay? It can stand up against any philosophy, any doctrine, any idea, any teacher, any professor. What's required of us is that we put the truth in our hearts and we know it. And God has a way of drawing that out of us to where we can give an answer for what we believe. Okay, next slide. So how do we obtain wisdom. First of all, um, I think everybody probably knows, probably can at least partially quote the scripture in Deuteronomy and then later referenced by Jesus in the gospels, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Obtaining wisdom, you can't get wisdom without that love of God, without that fear of God. The fear of God, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. In other words, it's where we start. Okay, so we start at the heart. If you want to grow in wisdom, if you want to know the eternal truths of God and hide it in your heart, and have a godly Christian worldview. If you want to see the world through the lens that God sees the world, the way things really are, it starts in your heart. Okay, It doesn't start in your mind. It starts in your heart. The position of your heart is paramount. It's number one. Um, everything else hinges on this, on where your heart is, the posture of your heart toward God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We are either humbled by God's truth or we're puffed up against it. We're like, I don't need that. I don't believe that. No, thank you. Um, Our hearts either yield to God and to God's wisdom or they harden in rebellion. We either desire God's wisdom or we push it away. So we like to say, oh yeah, we're Christians. But what about when God has something to say about your relationships? What about when God has something to say about the way you conduct yourself, the way you carry yourself at school? What about when God has a truth that kind of rubs you the wrong way? What about when 
living for God and living as a Christian is the hard road. Okay, what happens in your heart when those moments come? Does your heart harden and say, this isn't for me? I don't want this, no thank you? When, when you hear principles from the Bible, like not to gossip and um, wise ways to communicate, not with perversion, when, when the Bible says not to lust, when the Bible says how to build a family, do you shrug it off and say, no, thank you? I don't need that. That's not for me. When the Bible talks about principles of modesty, um, what, how does your heart respond to that? Okay? If it hardens, you will never, ever even get to step two. You will never be able to progress in your Christian walk. You can't know the ways of wisdom. It starts right here in your heart, how you respond to God. When God's presence tries to move on your life, do you harden yourself? Do you shut down? Or do you yield to God's presence and respond? It starts right here. The heart is paramount. Then secondly, of course, your mind uh, contains wisdom. So you grow in wisdom by familiarizing yourself with Scripture, with God's principles, with God's law, learning his ways, learning his commandments, hiding it in your heart and in your mind, knowing the Scripture, studying it. And then every situation that comes to your life, every book that you read, every idea that you come across, you filter it through the truth of God. Okay, everything that somebody tells you at school, everything somebody tells you anywhere, you filter it through the word of God. And you've hidden that truth in your mind, in your heart. Okay, it takes some studying. It takes some dedication to God's word. It takes some reading of the word. It takes some thinking. It takes some pondering and meditation and reflecting on the scriptures, what they mean, what they mean for your life, the implications they have on how you should live, how you should carry yourself. And then lastly, um, number three, Proverbs is very practical in general. And so the third way that you obtain wisdom is love the Lord your God with all your strength. This, anyway, is uh, very practical. It's the physical aspect of your person. So it has to do with both your appearance and your actions. They represent the ideas that you believe to be true. Your habits will either help you live out Bible truths in your purpose, or they will keep you from them. Things like time management and finances are very practical, um, but they're elements of our lives that either take away from or add to our spiritual growth. What we do with the very practical structural elements of our lives either undermine or serve the ideas that we're trying to live out. Okay, sometimes, I'll give you kind of a concrete example. Sometimes... What's keeping you from the word of God is not this like deep, dark sin. Like you just love evil, so you don't want to read your Bible. 
Sometimes the only thing that's keeping you from reading your Bible is a lack of time management. Can I get an amen? Okay, it's a very practical thing. Sometimes you just don't make space for it. You just don't make room for it. You stayed up all night watching cat videos on YouTube. <laughs> and oops, I haven't read my Bible. It doesn't, I mean, obviously, like, that's a problem. And God's not pleased with that, with you choosing cat videos over his word. But that's not like some deep, gross, dark sin. And that's something that everyone has to kind of get back on track at multiple points in their life is making time and making space in their busy cluttered lives for the word of God okay so strength deals with your physical fleshly person and it's very practical Uh, next slide so the fruit of wisdom that means um, what you get back from a life of wisdom. These are all promises from the, I got straight from Proverbs. Um, And a lot of them are found in chapter three. If we have time, we might go read some. But the fruit of wisdom or, or what you will reap if you sow a life of wisdom are favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man, glory, Good sleep, it literally says that you will have good sleep. Peace, promotion, confidence, fearlessness, safety, stability and balance, life and health to the flesh, blessings on your life and home, grace, pleasantness, riches and honor, length of day and long life, the establishment of all, everybody say all, all your ways means on the job, it means at school, that means your family life, your home life. A life of wisdom will benefit all of your ways. It will benefit your finances. A life of wisdom, a life ordered and patterned after God's way and God's law. A life of seeing the way that God sees blesses your life. And it literally, it it brings promotion at the job when they see an honest, hardworking, faithful, good steward, kind, genuine person. It brings good finances when you're a good steward of your money and when you're wise. It brings honor and respect. People see your life, they take note like, wow, my life is broken and messed up, but that's a life that works. That's a life that works. Their husband, their kids, their home life looks a lot different than mine. Okay, and that is the fruit of living a life of wisdom. And so um, let's go to the next slide. How many of you guys in English class learned literary terms? Do you guys do flashcards and learn things like onomatopoeia? <laughs> so let's uh, let's we're gonna read. Sister Hannah proved to me that this is possible to read exegetically and just read the the text. And you guys listened for her really well, so that means 
that your attention span is going to be just as good right now as we read through this passage, right? All right, this um, first part is kind of lengthy, but we're going to read chapter 8. And if you have your Bibles, or if you want to pull it up on your phone, please only pull up the Bible app, but you're welcome to follow along with me. This is Proverbs chapter 8. And something cool about this passage in Proverbs is it's very poetic. And I personally think that, of course, the Bible has the best of poetry. I don't think that Shakespeare has anything on the Bible. And so in these lines, see if you can point them out, but you will find things like imagery. Um, You will find things like personification. You'll find metaphor. And so these passages personify wisdom. Here we go. Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She stands at the top of high places by the way in the places of the paths. She cries at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips will be right things. My mouth shall speak truth and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understands and right to them that finds knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all things that can be desired are not to be compared with it. I wisdom dwell with prudence, and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is, or equals, to hate evil. Okay? The fear of the Lord is, let's stop right there and repeat that, to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and princes decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me. It's almost like a riddle in some places. And those that seek me early shall find me. I love them, this is wisdom talking, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures." The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no 
fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea his decrees and the waters that they should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, I was by him as one brought up with him. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of the earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. Now, therefore, basically because I just explained to you my credibility, because I'm credible, therefore, hearken unto me, or hear me, hear what I have to say, listen to me, obey me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul, and they that hate me love death. All right, turn to chapter 9. We're not going to read all this, but we're going to start at verse 1. Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. She hath killed her beast. She hath mingled her wine, and she hath furnished her table. She hath sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let them turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, it means him that lacks understanding. She says to him, come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live, and go in the way of understanding. He that reproveth a a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. I went a little too far there. But basically what that is, that first portion, verses 1 through 6, it's a metaphor. And it's the personification of wisdom, wisdom as a person. And wisdom, it paints a picture. Wisdom is going out into the city. She has built a house. She has killed animals, cooked them up laid them out on a table, prepared a great feast with lots of good and yummy stuff. And she has decked her house, furnished her house, decorated. And then she's gone out into the streets and she says, whoso is simple, come on in. You're invited. That's why I put there, you're invited to the wisdom party because she has created a great feast. That means, that literally means that wisdom is available to all of us. God doesn't just have wisdom for us, but he's crying out, please, please, I've laid it out for you. I have written it in scripture. It's not hidden. If you apply your heart to it, 
if you apply your life to it, apply everything you are, all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength to learning my ways, to knowing my ideas, my thoughts on what is good and what is wrong and what is pure and what is not, what works and what doesn't as far as family and relationships, everything that you'll go through in life, every question that you'll have, everything. God has an answer for it, and it's available to you. Wisdom is crying out today. And if we're foolish, and if we build our lives in ways that are foolish, and if we do the opposite of things that God commands us to do in Scripture, we're, we're going to have bad reward in our latter end. But if we build our lives on truth and what God says is good and what God says is right, then we'll have all those things, all those promises. God will elevate our lives so much. Okay? I don't, I don't apologize to people who went to school with me and people that I used to know. Some backsliders who used to make fun of me when I was in high school and say that I would never get married because my standards were too high and they would make fun of me. And they would say I was too spiritual. They would call me a nun, (laughs) different things like that. But some of those same people today, right now, have lives that don't work. They're not happy. They're not where they envision themselves. They don't have um, working relationships. Some of those same people, okay? And I don't apologize when maybe they see my Instagram picture of my amazing husband who treats me incredible and my beautiful daughter because that's what a life of wisdom got me. And it's no, it's no um, brags on myself because I couldn't have gotten any of that on my own. You understand? It, I didn't like have enough talent to get that. I wasn't smart enough to get that. I went in a shoe closet in my room and I said, God, I, I don't know how to build a good life. And I need you to help me. And I don't know how to pick out a husband because I'm scared of marrying the wrong person. I need you to help me. I literally prayed those prayers when I was your age. And those prayers were building on a life of wisdom. It it was just simply asking God, God, I know you have an opinion on this. And I invite your opinion into every part of my life because I don't want to have one idea that opposes your idea. I don't want to have thinking about anything that is opposite of the way that God thinks about those things. The way that I think, I want it to be like God thinks. I want to see things the way that God sees things. I want to see people the way that God sees them. That's wisdom. And the invitation is open to you today. It's so simple. 
It's not easy. That's the way of all of the Bible and all of living for God. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's something that you can do. It's something that is attainable. You can build habits of the mind that are good and that are right. You don't have to stay stuck in cynicism or negativity or criticism or worry or doubt or fear. God can raise you up out of that. Okay, God has wisdom for each of our lives and it spills over into everything we are and everything that we do. And what I mean by I don't apologize for when they see my life working. I'm not trying to rub it in their face. But I do hope that at some point people see the difference. And I hope your friends at school, when they don't get the results that they think a life of sin will bring them, I hope they see your life. And I hope they see the difference. I hope it rubs up against what they think is right and what they think is good. And I hope they see God starting to bless you and starting to elevate you and promote you. And I hope they see you building a legacy to pass down to your family, kids that don't have to struggle through divorce, a relationship that works, a marriage that is strong, that's built on the rock. And it starts right now. It starts with how you date right now. It starts with what you look at right now. It starts with what you think about right now. It starts with how you carry yourself right now. You can apply yourself to wisdom. You can get out the Bible, and you can start reading it, and you can say, God, change my mind. Change the way I think. Change my heart. Help me to hate evil. I I want to be sick at my stomach when I see things that grieve you, God. I want to pattern my life after your wisdom. And we see it right here in Scripture. The table's laid out for you. The feast is prepared. It's hot and ready. It's a beautiful, wonderful feast that God has laid out and you're invited to. And you can start right now. So I hope we each um, go home and start thinking about how can I pattern my life after God's ways and after a life of wisdom. I want us to pray uh, a prayer of dismissal. I know that it's time to go, but I do I do feel the weight of that, of those words. And I think you know this, but Sister Nikki lives out these principles. I can say that because I know her better than anyone else. She lives it out in her daily life. And she lived it out as a young person as well. And it works. It works. And so let's pray. I want us to just bow your head right where you are. God, I thank you, Lord, for this word that we've heard tonight. I'm thankful, God, for your word that has gone forth. I'm thankful, God, for the wisdom, Lord, that you have laid down for each and every one of these young people. God, before they were ever born, you saw the path that they would walk, and you laid wisdom out before them. 
You have laid the right decisions out before them through every obstacle that they would face. You have laid it out. And God, I pray that you would help them, Lord, to seek you early. God, before their life gets too complicated or they make too many decisions that seal them into the path that they are walking, I pray, God, that you would intervene with the power of your spirit, God, to help them choose wisdom. I pray, Lord, that this word would take root in their heart and that they would walk in your paths, that you would establish their ways so that each and every one of these young people can represent a family that is going to change the world and the community in which they live. I pray, God, that every one of these young people would marry the right person, would live a life that is not full of distress and not full of fighting, but is full of peace, that is full of joy, that is full of righteousness, where they can lay their head down on the pillow at night and know that they are in your will and that you are working in their life and they can have that assurance and that peace and that their children can grow up in an environment of the assurity of their love and of your love. God, I pray that you would just bless each and every student, that you would allow this word to settle into our heart, that it would not just be a momentary response, but that it would alter the course of their destiny, and that we would read your word and hide it in our heart that we might not sin against you. I pray, God, that you would bless every life, every heart. Go with us tonight. Touch these students. Work in their heart. And God, we give you praise. In Jesus' name.